Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Inspiring you to bring God back into the conversation of the day. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Yep, it's time to rise and shine again today. It's the 26th of January, 2022. So this morning in an email from The Atlantic, I read this. The Omicron surge has left parents screaming into the abyss, some quite literally. Uh, Journalist Melinda Winner Moyer reports a group of Boston moms recently met up to express their pandemic rage by letting out a primal yell in the frigid January darkness outside a local high school. So my first thought as a parent and a grandparent and an aunt and a friend to other moms, uh, my, my first thought was, yeah, I, I, I get that. I even thought of a few of my friends who would be attracted to this kind of invitation. And at that thought, I shuddered and I thought, I, I need to reach out today specifically to the people who God brought to mind who would be attracted if somebody said, hey, um, you know, all that rage you're feeling, let's just go, you know, express it by screaming into the abyss outside the high school. Um, here, here is what I think is going on. There is a vast worldview difference between getting together with other moms in the pre-dawn darkness at the high school to express some kind of individual or collective pandemic rage by letting out primal screams and what ministries like Moms in Prayer um, have been doing for years and years and years, praying for the varied needs and challenges of every individual involved in every uh, in every kid, you know, being able to get safely to and through and back home from what we call the American School Day. So I'm hoping you see the difference. I'm hoping you see the difference between gathering in the pre-dawn darkness with a bunch of other raging people to scream into what you perceive to be the abyss outside your local high school and instead the approach that like Moms in Prayer takes or other praying um, ministries where what we're talking about is gathering to pray for, over, and around our local schools. So regular planned prayer in the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace uh, says to the darkness, let light shine. It says to the sickness, come thou great physician. To the spiritual forces that would seek to convince our children that there is nothing but an abyss, to that we say, good God, reveal yourself today in ways that these students and teachers and coaches and counselors, administrators, janitors, lunchroom workers, security officers, moms, dads, foster parents, grandparents. Oh, God, the list is so long, but you know, you know, you know every person and every need, you know every fear and the circumstance of every life. You know who needs a meal and who needs a safe place to rest. 
You know the fatigue of some teachers, and you know the future filled with hope you have planned for each child. Oh God, only you could know, and only you could tend to every need, and so we ask. Trusting in your mercies, which are new every morning, grant your grace over this place, this school, these precious people this day, and every day. Amen. Do you see how different that is? Then fomenting and agitating people via social media and standing together with a bunch of parents screaming into what you collectively describe as the abyss while you're looking at your local high school? Quoting here further from the piece in The Atlantic, when mothers feel there is no more appealing way to spend an evening than to yell into the frigid January darkness, something is very, very wrong. Parents were defeated long before Omicron, the article goes on. Now we've reached a stage of the pandemic where finding the right words to describe our lot is simply an exercise in absurdity. We are broken. We have nothing left in us but screams of anger and pain. I agree. So, if you're a mom or a dad and you're feeling that way this morning, I want you to hear me say, I get it. I get it. But when we cry out to the Lord with the same kind of lamenting anguish as those in generations before us, when we cry out with sighs too deep for words, as Scripture says, when we cry out like the psalmist or the writer of Lamentations, when we cry out to God, we're not, we're not screaming into an abyss. We're letting the desires of our hearts and the circumstance of our life be known to God, who already knows, but we're letting him know that we know that he knows. We're going to be the people who, in the midst of this in our country, shine light into the darkness of these conversations. And so if the primal screaming groups are getting together in your community, I want you to go be the psalmist reading person in the midst of all of that. We got tremendous needs in our communities right now. Let's invite people together to pray, even with weeping and wailing, but to pray outside our local high school. What might happen if instead of fomenting the expression of collective rage spewed into an imagined abyss, we lead people to direct their desperation to the God of the universe who can do something about it. See you at the poll started with one kid at one high school in a little town in Texas. How might God use you to light the flame of revival where you live? Jeff Bilbrow joins me next. We'll be right back. All right, joining me again this morning, Jeff Bilbro. You can find him at Grove City College and at Front Porch Republic, where he posts uh, an aggregate, what I will describe as an aggregated, very, very well aggregated uh, blog called The Water Dipper. Jeff, welcome back. Thanks. Good to be back this morning, Carmen. 
Thank you. So I really particularly enjoyed you directing our attention to the trees at the heart of creation. T- tell us about this. It's just delightful. Yeah, it's a, a great conversation between Andrew Peterson, uh, who is a singer-songwriter. I'm sure many of your listeners have listened to his music, but he's also a great um, fantasy writer. His Wing, uh, Wing Feather Saga series is excellent. And uh, he's recently written a couple books, one of which is called um, The God of the Garden um, and kind of a meditation upon trees and a memoir of sorts. And uh, in this video, he talks with Tim Mackey, who is the one of the, the co-founders of The Bible Project, which is an absolutely great organization. And uh, last year, The Bible Project did a series of videos and podcasts just diving into the role that trees play in the arc of the biblical narrative. And so this conversation between Andrew and Tim is a good introduction to that. But, you know, if if listeners are interested in in more, I think that whole series um, from the Bible Project on trees from the Garden of Eden to um, the New Jerusalem in the book of Revelation is a really rich uh, set of reflections. Yeah, it it delights my heart. Um, For listeners to this program, you guys know we've had frequent conversations with Matthew Sleeth um, about his book on this same topic and just love. um, And we've had Andrew Peterson on as well to talk about his book. Um, uh, And so I just I love that this is happening at the Bible Project. I think that anytime we can give people like really sticky ways to study Scripture you know, it's really sticky ways to see the redemptive arc um, played out in in human history, but also just in creation writ large. It's it's really helpful. Yeah, that's right, and it's a way of kind of reading some some biblical stories that we might, you know, have heard so many times our eyes can glaze over, and, and coming back to those and seeing a new uh, what's going on there and how these particular stories fit into the broader broader arc of the biblical narrative and and trees are certainly one key motif that helps make sense of a lot of different stories in the bible all right so jeff um how many books do you think you own (laughs) we just you know we just moved last year and so uh after putting them all in boxes and putting them in a u-haul truck and unpacking them uh too many but uh but then we couldn't get rid of them they're they're part Mm -hmm. of our mental furniture now Something going on there. So when Jeff and I return, we're going to talk about the tranquility and wisdom of old books. Um, and while we're um, while we're away, count your library. Count the books in your library. I mean, even just if it's like a rough estimate, like, I don't know, there's roughly 25 books on a shelf and I have 50 shelves. I don't know. Um, look around, see, uh, see how many books you have. And then how do you decide which ones to keep? How do you decide which ones to keep? Because that, in my year, everybody listening, uh, Jeff now knows that my year for the word, the my word for the year is purge, and so books are definitely going to come under scrutiny in my house. So this is a this is a timely topic for me. Jeff Bilbro and I will be right back. So many books, so little time, so many hunger, so Continuing our conversation. With Professor Jeff Bilbro from Grove City College and Front Porch Republic, which you can find at frontporchrepublic.com. That is where you will find The Water Dipper, which is Jeff's aggregated blog, where he directs us to just great stuff that we should be reading but might have a hard time finding. Um, so, Jeff, let's talk about the tranquility and wisdom of old books. 
Yeah, you know, uh, Kahala says uh, of the making of, of books, there is no end. And that's true. Uh, there, there are too many books to read. But um, yeah, I think at a time when uh, so much of what kind of drives our thinking and our attention is stuff that comes across our social media feeds or is top of the top of the, um, you know, the, the newspaper, the TV, uh, turning to, to older words is a particularly important practice. And uh, Alan Jacobs has been on this for quite a while now. But his book just last year, uh, I think it's called Breaking Bread with the Dead. Um, and it's a great meditation on what we can glean from older books and the, the value of that. In some ways, he's just riffing on some things that C.S. Lewis has written about several places um, regarding the importance of not getting stuck in the conversations that are happening in our own time, but um, getting some kind of an intellectual ballast, as it were, by uh, immersing ourselves for seasons in, in conversations that, that took place centuries ago. I think that um, when we talk about old books and we talk about the wisdom of old books and the tranquility of old books, um, for Christians, you know, we don't we don't miss the importance of the Bible in that conversation. But the world clearly does. And I I do wonder um, sometimes when I'm in conversations with people who profess to be Christians and they're their worldview is really not informed by the Bible. Like you can tell when you're talking with them, um, they have uh, they have heard the latest red meat, whichever side of the aisle they happen to be on. They have heard the latest screed against others, um, you know, in the culture, uh, and they uh, and they know the talking points. But you can also tell they haven't been with the Lord. And so when I when I read this, I thought to myself. Wow, for Christians, you know, first on this list needs to be a return of our personal attention to, you know, to the old good book. And um, yeah, so that was my yeah. immediate I think, reflection. I think that's exactly right. And I would just uh, commend that and also add, I guess, that, you know, sometimes when we read Christians from centuries past, Mm-hmm. Um, that helps us pick up on themes and threads in the Bible that we might miss. You know, uh, there are hot topics in our culture that drive attention to certain portions of the Bible. But in previous generations, Christians obsessed about other parts of the Bible or other <laughs> questions. And so sometimes it's helpful to, you know, to read Milton or read Dante or read uh, Augustine or a church father. And that can really... Uh, give us new love for new insight into uh, into the Bible itself. So, um, yeah, sometimes those things can be can be um, symbiotic, right? Reading old Christian books and then uh, coming back to the Bible with fresh eyes. So you know when John says that um, if everything that could be written were written about Jesus, you know the right. world, right? When he says that, we know the world wouldn't be big enough to contain all the books that must be written. Right? Is there is there do you, have you ever thought to yourself, well, here's one, here's one story I'd like to know more about. I wish one of the gospel writers had told us more about this. Have any stories in Scripture that jump out at you that way? Oh my word, there are so many. You know, the Old Testament, especially, has all these, mm. all these gaps. Like, um, so of course, John's writing about Christ's life, and you know, people all, I always 
uh, and, and others obviously have wondered about Christ's childhood. What did he do for the first 30 mm. years of his life besides go to the temple one time? Um, but uh, yeah, oftentimes, especially when I'm reading some of the patriarch stories in Genesis, uh, I think, man, you know, what was Abraham thinking when he was walking up to sacrifice his son? Or what was Sarah doing when that was going on? What did she know? Um, there's so many uh, holes, as it were, in those stories that, that the attention is so laser focused on certain kinds of action or certain speech, and it leaves a lot to our imaginations. But maybe that's part of the wisdom and the way they're told, in, in that it invites us to reflect and kind of tease out um, what we're told, but also what we're not told and uh, why that might be. And that maybe an Instagrammable life is not um, all that important. That's right. right? <laughs> I mean, there's huge, God leaves huge gaps in the narrative. Yeah. Um, maybe he doesn't think that chronicling what everyone ate every day uh, and what the meal looked like was important, except, of course, for the period of the manna. Um, yeah. So, uh, all right, faith. I want to talk about where faith leads us because we have, you have this great story posted about um, this doctor who has returned to Zimbabwe. Uh, give us a little insight into this story. It's posted at ChristianityToday.com. Yeah, I was so moved by this story. This is uh, just a you know, reporter, Ryan Truscott, talking about a particular doctor um, who is from Zimbabwe and uh, started his education there and then went abroad to get further medical education. Uh, and, you know, Africa is one of these places, particularly a country like Zimbabwe, that is uh, so poorly ruled for so many years. Um, that really suffers from brain drain. Um, and th this is one counterexample, right? Somebody who decided to take their, their learning and their education and bring it back home in really difficult circumstances and try to serve uh, their, their native community. And I just think that's such a, a, a prophetic challenge, I guess, to, to me and to you know, the culture. You know, I'm a, I teach college, and so a lot of my students are thinking, uh, you know, what kind of education can I can I get? What can I do with this? Where can I go? What can this take me? Um, but to see uh, the story of somebody like this who uh, wanted to use what he'd learned to go back and uh, be a blessing and minister to his his home, I think it's a really important challenge for us in uh, in a culture that a kind of a meritocracy that celebrates achievement and. Um, oftentimes encourages us to prioritize our careers rather than uh, think about how we can use the gifts we've been given to bless our communities. So where did you grow up? Washington State. And now I'm, now I'm across the country in PA because I, uh, you know, got a PhD and, and got onto the higher ed uh, job market. And I, and I still think about, you know, the, the losses that that's entailed. Uh, you know, obviously God doesn't call us all to stay where we grew up, but no, right. Um, and there are good reasons for moving and bad reasons for moving, I guess. Um, but I think, you know, stories like this are really important for me to think about and, uh, in our culture where it's just kind of the norm to move around to get a job. Yeah. I think that there's a lot of conversation opportunity, conversational opportunity here for people in, um, in North America to have about our, you know, well, we think, you know, it is normal, grow up, go to college or trade school, um, get a job wherever that takes you. Not, hey, I'm, God's called me 
to a particular community, what are the needs of that community, go get educated to fill that need, meet that need so that my community um, has what it needs going forward. Like we have a very different, we just have a much more individualistic, personal um, sense of what I think our life, our lives are about. And I appreciated this story because clearly this young doctor, um, you know, he's 41 years old. Um, he could be le- earning a lot more uh, pretty much anywhere else in the world um, yeah. than he is, than he's going to quote unquote earn in in his, you know, in his home country of Zimbabwe. But he is also an asset there um, that, that that is without uh, equal and so that's pretty extraordinary as well. It's just, it's a great story. We want you guys to check it out. You can find it at ChristianityToday.com. Or if you go to The Water Dipper, which is Jeff's blog, um, it's posted at FrontPorchRepublic.com, then you can access all of the articles that we talked about today. Jeff, thank you, as always, so much. Thank you, Carmen. It's a delight to talk with you. We'll be right back. every trial. We raise our concerns to the concerns of others around the world on a regular basis here, and we're going to give you the opportunity, actually we're giving you the opportunity right now to join with us, partner with us, and turning your personal attention to One Child. Um, We are partnering with One Child to sponsor kids and to be child champions. I have done it, and at the uh, open of the next hour, I'm actually going to open with you my one child packet and introduce you to my one child. Um, and I'm encouraging you to go to myfaithradio.com and, or if you're on the Faith Radio app, it's right there as well. Um, check out what we're doing with one child. G- click on sponsor a child. It's not actually, you know, if you click on that, it's not like you're immediately sponsoring a child. You get to start um, the process of understanding who these children are and where they live and the circumstance of their life. And God's going to touch your heart with one of these kids. You know, they're going to share your birthday or you're going to look at them and you're just going to say, I, that, that kid speaks to me. I, I love them instinctively. I don't, I can't express to you. Um, I can't explain it to you. You actually have to just experience it yourself. So go to myfaithradio.com. You'll see that we're partnering right now with one child. We are going to be talking about this for the next couple of days, but I'm giving, you know, giving you a head start. So go check it out and see what we're doing. Um, if you feel so led, go ahead and. Uh, join us today. Become a child champion uh, in in our effort to, you know, I'm not saying that praying for what's going on around the world is not enough because God is sufficient. But I also know that kids need to eat and they, and they need an education and their families need support. And that's what's happening through the Hope Centers of One Child, partner with local churches in these communities. So there you go. Um, That's what we're up to here um, towards the end of the week. Ruth Kramer joins us now to help us see into some places around the world via the Mission Network News. So if you've been wondering, hey, what's been going on in that place where that giant volcano erupted? Uh, We're going to get an update on Tonga next. Are you rested? Refreshed? If you're the parent of a teen, you may not know what those words mean anymore. Hi, I'm Mark Gregston with Parenting Today's Teens. In Matthew chapter 11, we read these comforting words from Jesus. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. That's a warm invitation, isn't it? When you're exhausted emotionally, physically, and spiritually, 
you can find refreshment in God's embrace. And as he's designed you to be the parent to your teens, you're also called to offer that rest to them. Jesus said, come to me and you will find rest for your souls. Want more help from Mark Gregston? Check out his latest resources online at parentingtodaysteens.org. Our dear sister in Christ and colleague in ministry, Ruth Kramer from Mission Network News, is back. Ruth, I want to, first of all, just acknowledge that we've been praying for you and your family um, in this season, and uh, our prayers continue. You know, I'm going to say thank you to not only the Faith Radio team, but also to the listeners who have lifted uh, us up in prayer. You always hear people saying that they appreciate that, that they feel the support and things like that. But in this case... You know, I'm just going to go out there and say, um, knowing that the body of Christ, the people we've never met, are praying for us and for our welfare and for healing and restoration and recovery, um, buoys us in moments where we're in that roller cover, uh, roller roller coaster of recovery. So, yeah. thank you so much. Absolutely, absolutely, and thanks for being here in the midst of um, of all of that. All right, so talk with us. We we all. Like we have all now seen the video of that massive volcanic uh, eruption, and then subsequent ones as well. The the ash cloud, the seismic wave. I mean, all and on and on and on. I think we're all surprised um, that not more people died. But tell us what you are now hearing um, from the people uh, in Tonga. Well, naturally, there is an international aid rush to try to assist the folks who survived the uh, the volcanic uh, eruption and all of the disaster that followed uh, in the wake of that. Um, the complication is that everything's being slowed down because the country doesn't want to let outsiders in because of the COVID pandemic. And they're trying mm. to keep the virus off the islands. So now you're trying to do contactless uh, aid efforts. And it's just kind of bottlenecking all of the efforts. Um, the the fact is that there are uh, folks who are being able to get stuff in. Communication has been kind of slow. Uh, we were able to connect with the station manager for Tonga Christian Radio um, through our partner uh, at MAF. And so, you know, MAF has a, a, a colleague in New Zealand that was able to connect us with that. And what they're saying is the internet, the internet connectivity is still spotty. So communications is is difficult. Um, However, the uh, Tongan Christian Radio has been working tirelessly to continue broadcasting uh, throughout this entire season through Christ's hope and encouragement and helping people uh, with information that they need need to have just to get hold of some of those uh, initial supplies that that follow an emergency like this. Um, TCR has been working for the last two years to establish this radio station, and they have a new building in the area. So by God's grace, that building was completed this past Christmas, and they sent out the first broadcast from the new station. Uh, at that time. So um, the new building is stronger and has actually held up really well under the weight of the ash. Uh, the other things that that just uh, follow with this are the day-to-day. Um, 
You see people wearing masks, not because of COVID protocols, although that is in place, uh, but more because of the ash. So the ash has uh, filtered in with the the air supply and it is very difficult to breathe. There are a lot of complications that uh, come from that with the health issues. Um, so be praying for, for the, the survivors of this disaster. Um, TCR is still active. They are being the hands and feet of Christ in an emergency. They're bringing the message of hope to people in a time when uh, it's very, very difficult, and um, they're making their presence known, and it's all to the glory of God. So we can keep on praying for them. If you want to know more about it, you want to connect with MAF uh, New Zealand and uh, Tonga Christian Radio. Can we pivot um, to Ukraine? We have, uh, you know, obviously our attention has been drawn there by the amassing of, uh, of Russian troops um, on on the border um, and lots of saber rattling. Um, and so can you tell us what you're hearing from Christian ministries on the ground? Well, our partner there is Slavic Gospel Association, and they have been watching the situation since uh, Crimea, uh, since before mm-hmm. Crimea, actually. Um, and this has just been kind of an ongoing situation. There's been a lot of fear that uh, Russia wants to take over Ukraine, but that's fraught with politics. So a ministry like SGA, who has a foot on both sides of the border, has to be very careful about what they're saying um, on the record, because they don't want to be in a situation where uh, Russia says, well, you're not on our side, so we're going to prevent you from getting in. And Mm -hmm. with Ukraine, uh, you want to keep those doors open and not be associated with uh, supporting anything that might be construed as support with Russia. Um, So they're trying to do a very tricky dance work. Right now what they can tell us is that there's a lot of guesswork um, from any perspective. Nobody knows what's happening. There's a lot of tension. There's a lot of fear. But the pastors and the church leaders in Ukraine um, find themselves looking at this whole situation as an opportunity. Uh, Pastors in Ukraine are convinced convinced that it represents a heightened opportunity for the gospel, and they're getting themselves prepared and uh, basically marshalling the the body of Christ to be ready with a word when when those questions come. Ruth, I want to um, turn our attention very briefly to um, Burkina Faso, where there was recently a coup. Can you tell us what's happening there? Yeah. uh, Monday, what happened was the military uh, ousted the president. Um, This has been kind of an ongoing situation. If you look back at Burkina Faso, you see um, a buildup of what Mm -hmm. is what is currently the situation. Uh, You've had a lot of pressure with militias. You've had a lot of pressure with uh, growing militant Islamic violence that's not only in their country, but spilling over from neighboring countries. And um, the military basically has had enough with it. They just really don't feel like the the administration has taken the, the issue in hand. They don't feel supported by the administration in their efforts to um, deal with anti-terrorism. So on Monday, they tried to they removed the president. And uh, again, this is triggered by the growing discontent among the security forces over the failure to support them against um, the anti-terrorist movement uh, and because of what's happening in Mali and uh, the the spillover violence. Uh, there's a lot of frustration over 
what we're seeing here. Um, so our partners that we have spoken to in the past have been warning about this. They've been saying ministry will continue to happen. Uh, jihadist attacks have been uh, largely the issue that uh, disrupts ministry in any situation in Burkina Faso. It's not been the military or even the coup issues. It's been all of this other stuff that has led to the coup. So be praying for ministries that are there. Um, we have a lot of different perspectives on uh, on how that could be dealt with. Be praying for wisdom uh, in the days ahead for how they're going to work through some of the security issues as this military coup uh, leaves a power vacuum and you don't really have someone who's being recognized or supported uh, internationally um, as, as a leader of the country. Uh, it's very unstable. Uh, there's a, a, ter a chance that it could tip into uh, militant is issues, uh, militant Islam, uh, Islamic issues. And so um, we're just asking you to join us in praying for our partners in Burkina Faso for, for the body of Christ and for stability to return to the country. It's it's a key point, um, given everything that's happened in the countries surrounding it, uh, mm -hmm. that Burkina Faso remains stable. Yeah, Burkina Faso being the third West African government following Mali and Guinea, to be toppled by coups in the past 18 months. I had a friend yesterday who said, uh, you know, somewhat like lone wolf jihadist attacks and suicides among teenagers, coups um, seem to be contagious uh, right now. Well, so, yeah, this is the yeah. fourth one in West Africa in the year and a half. Yeah. Ruth Kramer and I are going to um, look at, we're going to open up the opendoorsusa.org world watch list next. Um, if I were to ask you, who do you think tops the list? What nation do you think tops the list of the most dangerous place in the world for um, a, a person of minority faith to live? Where's the most dangerous place for a Christian to live in 2022? We're going to tell you next. Continuing our conversation with Ruth Kramer from Mission Network News. Um, Ruth, let's turn our attention to the opendoorsusa.org world watch list. There, um, there has been a change at the top of the list, and Open Doors found that around the world there's been a 24% increase in Christians killed because of their faith. These are pretty astounding numbers. Yeah, um, for as long as I've been at Mission Network News... Um, the Open Doors World Watch List has been a really good um, earmark for tracking uh, trends around the world, uh, not only with security issues, but also government issues, as well as religious freedom issues. And the stability of a country uh, goes the way of its religious freedom. So what country have we seen the greatest change? In what country have we seen the greatest change of religious freedom in this last year? And I would have to say it would be where the Taliban raised its head and took over um, in Afghanistan. And that turns out it is uh, the country that has supplanted North Korea for the first time in 20 years, North Korea has been the worst place in the world in which to be a Christian for 20 years, and Afghanistan is number one this year. Um, that says not that North Korea is getting better, but that Afghanistan is getting worse. And in the top 10 of those, uh, the top 10 countries of the world that are on this list, um, there's some shuffling in order, but everything else is more or less the same. It would not surprise you. You've got Somalia, Libya, Yemen, Eritrea, Nigeria, Pakistan, Iran, and India. 
Again, some shuffling with the order. Some things got better. Some things got worse. Um, but these top two, I think, were the bigger surprise uh, of, of what we've seen in the last year or so. Um, if you've been following the headlines, you know that Afghanistan is falling apart. It is being ripped apart at the seams. You've got uh, not only the Taliban, but ISIS-K fighting for dominance now um, within the country and not really a great government system to hold things together. So what you're looking at since the Taliban takeover is basically a failed state. And within that failed state, very, very little religious freedom. Uh, even though the Taliban promised it was going to be something different this year, we kind of already knew what was going to happen because we've already seen this happen in the region. Uh, and the, what we thought was going to happen did. Um, as soon as the Taliban was able to take control of the government and the education systems and the banking systems and all of that, uh, they began uh, systematically rooting out the Christians, hunting for them, putting them in prison, executing them, uh, chasing them out of the country. And uh, what you have now is a very weakened state, um, but there are still Christians who remain in the country, very much like we saw with the, the roll-in of ISIS, where you saw the N, I-M-N, back uh, mm -hmm. in, in the early days of um, the Islamic State's formation in Iraq and Syria. Um, you're seeing that happen again with Afghanistan, with an underground church that is basically sharing its plea on its knees for um, an opportunity to share the hope of Christ. There are people who remain in, in place because they need to be in place, because they acknowledge that if everybody leaves, there will be no light in the country. Uh, they know what the, the risk is. They know what the danger is. So we can pray for the partners who are there, who remain bold, who remain brave enough to stay there, that they would have the opportunities, that they would be emboldened, um, and that their courage and their stand in faith would embolden us as well. Ruth, there's a paragraph in here um, that, well, there's a paragraph in an article that I that I have read on this topic. It's actually posted at Religion News, um, indicating that more than 360 million Christians across the world, so one in seven, one in seven Christians, are now suffering high levels of discrimination and persecution. Um, Christian women, in particular, uh, it is pointed out are the most vulnerable vulnerable group in the world today. Christian women are the most vulnerable group in the world today in light of the, the, the treatment by extremist um, Islamist societies. Um, think, things have gotten perceptively worse. Well, yeah, I mean, when you look at the countries where apostasy and blasphemy laws in Islam are applied, you've got countries that issue the death penalty if you get convicted of these laws. There are 12 countries in the in the world that have those laws in place. For others where it's just um, changing your religion is is illegal or uh, you've got jail sentences and things like that, you've got 12 countries, different countries with laws on the books. And for countries that are uh, applying certain types of laws within the country, you've got two. And so that's a lot of countries in the world that are doing their best to stamp out any kind of thought that is different from their own, a lot mm. of the times they're doing their best to stamp out the body of Christ. But we have seen this kind of pattern in the history of the church. We have seen it before as we study the history of the early church and we see what God did in spite of the fact that Satan was trying to stop what was happening from the very beginning. 
we have seen what happens because of the triumph of the gospel, because of the triumph of Jesus Christ. Yeah, if you're listening right now and you want to check out what we're talking about, the World Watch List is a product of an organization called Open Doors USA, and you can find it at opendoorsusa.org. You can also find reporting on it, um, you know, pretty pretty widely right now by a number of um, organizations um, who are interested in particular countries or the concerns of particular uh, ministries and people groups around the world. And so I just, um, you know, want to encourage everyone listening right now, if there's a country on your heart, um, this is a good time to bring it into focus. Um, and if you don't have a country on your heart right now, this is a good way to get one in focus. And if you have always thought to yourself, it could never be worse for a Christian anywhere in the world than it is in North Korea. Let me let me just say this. The um, the data that the that Open Doors used to make this watch list only includes the one month, the one month of Taliban rule. So it's November 2020 through September 2021. We didn't leave until the end of August, and Afghanistan made it to the top of the list. So let's be praying ardently, ardently for our Christian brothers and sisters around the world, but particularly for our sisters. Ruth Kramer, uh, we're certainly going to continue praying for you, your husband, his recovery. Thank you, as always, for joining us, your spirit, your work. Um, We really appreciate what you're doing every day at Mission Network News. Thank you so much. Absolutely. We'll be right back. All right, we got another hour of Mornings with Carmen up next. Thank you so much for including me in uh, your day. I love it. Love you. Yeah, I see. I see you. Some of you just getting out of bed, just checking the weather report, seeing just how cold it is out there. Let me just say it's cold out there. Pretty much it's cold out there today. So, uh, you know, scarves, hats, mittens, those things that go over your face, to protect your nose, you know, all of it. Paul, how, much, how many layers did you put on this morning? Let me think here. I already have in Studio 3, I had the fourth layer with my jacket. <laughs> See? I'm just mm-hmm. thankful I have an attached garage. I just walk out to the car, so drive nice. to work, and quickly mm-hmm. get in the building. It's, you know, pretty there easy. There you go. There yeah. you go. We're blessed. Yeah. We're so blessed. I'm counting all of those layers as blessings today, right? So let's uh, let's layer up our love today out there, all right? So people in the world, they, they're, it, they're entering into cold, dark reality today. Let's be the people who help them layer up the love of Jesus, right? You're going to put on Christ before you get out there into the world that God so loves. You're going to put on Christ and uh, love as your outer garment. Let's, um, let's help people layer up today in love. I don't know exactly what that's going to look like in your life, um, but I bet you have an idea. I bet when I say that, you, you say, you know what? I know how to put a layer of love over um, over that person at work or over that kid or over that colleague or over my pastor. Layer up the love today. It's cold out there. It's all warm and toasty in Jesus. All right, we got another hour up next. We'll be right back. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.